Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This is Daniel Markin, and today I have the opportunity to be chatting with Cheryl Josephson. She works with Family Life Canada, and in our discussion, we have a, a really interesting talk about marriage and young couples as uh, what that looks like in a pandemic. Cheryl and her husband, Neil, have been working with couples mostly, almost entirely through Zoom, so their ministry has been across Canada, and so they have different insights from what it's like to be married in the pandemic, some of the cracks that have shown. But ultimately, uh, our discussion is how to have a healthy and thriving marriage as a young person. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Daniel Markin. And today I'm joined by the one and only Cheryl Josephson. Cheryl, how are you? I'm great, actually. Thanks, Daniel. Good to talk to you again. It is good to talk to you again. Our paths have crossed a couple times, but before um, I get into some of these stories, um, I just want you to tell tell us, tell me um, what you're doing these days, what ministry uh, you're involved with. Sure. Well, I'm uh, married to Neil, and together we lead Family Life Canada, which is a ministry of power to change. It used to be Campus Crusade for Christ, and um, we have two. We live in Fort Langley. We have two sons, two, ma- two daughters-in-law, and four great-grandkids, which is a lot of our life. And typically, when we're not in a pandemic, we spend most of our time traveling across the country, coaching couples and coaching churches on how to coach couples. And um, we just, we actually love, 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 love what we do. And is that couples who are like uh, dating, engaged, married? Is it, is it everything in, in between? Yeah, all of the above. I would say we focus less on dating couples and more on couples who are either about to get married or um, or are married. Yeah, but you know, kind of cover. We're we're learning as we help couples. We're learning that a lot of the roots of some of the issues that they're dealing with are back in their dating patterns. And so, you know, yeah. as we're trying to help couples, we have kind of um, gone upstream quite a bit, and we are working more with younger people as they're dating and kind of forming their ideas of what marriage can be. You find that the ideas of what marriage is are pretty all over the map these days. Oh my goodness, our culture is so crazy. Like, ne- never has marriage been so denigrated in our culture, but at the same time, so elevated. Like, it's just an odd moment. I think where mm-hmm. we have such high expectations for marriage. We think it's, you know, when um, I don't know if you've ever read any Esther Perel, but she says like we expect one person, our spouse to do everything that we used to expect an entire network of people to do, our counselor and our sister. We expect our spouse to be everything now. We just have super high expectations for this marriage relationship. But at the same time, we're quick to bail on it because those expectations rarely, you know, come to be. So I think it's a very interesting time. And I think, you know, for those of us who love doing what we do, I think we have kind of two, two things we have to go after. One is to capture how good marriage can be. Like those of us who have good marriages, we should be, I th- we tend to hide it, hide it under a bushel, so to speak, right? We should be letting that shine. But we also need to be speaking against sort of this idealized view of marriage and, and by acknowledging that it's 
it's challenged. Two becoming one is not an easy enterprise. <laughs> it's not. And I would just completely agree with you. So I'm, I'm newly married. My wife and I, Elise and I have been married. We got married just before the pandemic. And the one thing that we were, I mean, when you're planning a wedding and you're looking towards marriage, I think we were engaged at this point, it's just there's so much stress and, and you kind of forget all of some of the joy. And we, we talked to people who would be like, just newly married. And, and, and the word that they kept saying was sanctifying. You know, it's everything. It's so sanctifying. It's so hard. It's such an adjustment. And, and so we're hearing this from all of our newly married friends. And it was only like a few, you know, weeks before getting married, we had other friends who we sat down, we were having pizza with them. And they basically said, guys, don't forget that marriage is a lot of fun. And, and they said they like it, it. It has those moments, and like the highs are much higher, and the lows are much lower. But it's so much fun, and that has definitely been the case for us. And we got married right before a pandemic, so like you know, I, I like to call it our extended honeymoon, where it's been this. You know, it's been a lot of fun. Um, how does like I guess these days there's COVID, but you guys run conferences now. Uh, with family life, correct? And then uh, do you do like little retreats as well where you can do marriage coaching? Yeah, mostly what Neil and I are involved in are the the big conferences across the country, which of course in COVID switched online. And actually, oh, it's kind of amazing, Daniel. Our, the, the reach of family life grew exponentially over COVID, um, not just across Canada. So we're family like Canada, but boy, we've just we've been able to reach people around the world and it's been such a joy. Anyway, um, we also have a staff of about 30 people. And so a lot of our role is equipping our staff to equip the people that we call home builders. So we have about 5,000 people across the country who've signed up and said, I want to do something to help the marriages around me. What can I do? I love to think that, you know, everything's multiplying. So our, our staff is coaching and equipping these home builders. Home builders are reaching out and leading small group studies, they're, you know, mentoring, they're leading their marriage ministries in their churches. And so this is all kind of multiplying. And, um, and I feel like Neil's in my role is to just kind of keep the motor running. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like the motor has to like speed up, you know, these days, especially with, you're right, there's so much engagement online. So as you are chatting with people and, you know, working through leading people to have stronger marriages, to leading them to become home builders. Um, what is the most exciting part of that, of that whole journey for you guys? Well, I think it's like any teacher. I think when you, when you see the light bulb come on in, you know, I think that's super fun. Mentoring is my very favorite thing to do. Neil, Neil and I, the public thing we do is teaching. But my favorite thing is just couple on couple mentoring. And I just love kind of intertwining our lives with others. And I love um, asking questions and helping kind of guide people towards their own answers. So that's that's my favorite thing to do. But um, I think as a Christ follower, I think the sense of being able to participate with God and what God wants to do in people's lives. I, I always say when I'm mentoring, I'm, I'm listening with one ear to the couple and one ear to the Holy Spirit and really mm -hmm. trying to discern on their behalf the question to ask and how, where to guide them. And I just think anytime we get to partner with God and God's work, kingdom work on this planet, we should consider ourselves blessed and I feel abundantly blessed in what we do. Absolutely. What would you say then is the most heartbreaking piece of your work? Um, well, I think two things, actually, Daniel, I think mm -hmm. that 
when I see couples in trouble and I know that it was preventable, if they'd had a few better role models in their life, if somebody had helped and intervened a little earlier before that, you know, while the cracks were still cracks and not chasms, I think that that breaks my heart because it's so preventable. Um, the other thing that breaks my heart is when couples find themselves in trouble and one is willing to work on it and the other one isn't. Yeah. It just makes me so, so, so sad because it feels like, oh my goodness, you guys, you could pull this together um, if you could both get on the same page and lean in a little bit. And then the other thing is when people don't access the resources that are available to them. As Christ followers, we have access to some pretty amazing resources, the Holy Spirit, we have the gifts of the Spirit, we have so many we have access to so many spiritual resources that we never tap into. So that's the third thing is when Christ followers don't actually access what God wants to give us. Definitely. Let me ask you this. So pandemic hits 2020, right? It's March. And we began to hear lots of stories of lots of different marriages that were now quote unquote on the rocks, right? That there was, there was cracks happening. Um, we heard, I think we saw statistics that there was, you know, difficulty in marriages going on, um, you know, instances of abuse. And, and that's not, of course, not across the board everywhere. Um, but it, it sounded like, yeah, you picked up on that word, these cracks were, were happening. And uh, what cracks have you noticed? Uh, and maybe some of them have resolved now, and maybe some of them are still around, but what cracks were most pronounced? Yeah, I think um, the things that come to surface under pressure are the things that are sometimes buried a few layers down, right? So, I mean, obviously there's always this communication and conflict management and people's kind of emotional connection and our sexual intimacy. Like these are perennial issues in marriages. I think under pressure, they become more um, elevated and escalated and more mm -hmm. obvious sometimes. Sometimes we can layer over some of those things with activities or busyness or travel or you know vacations we can kind of layer them over so that we we don't feel the pain of them we haven't been able to layer over in the pandemic but right. i think those are the typical cracks but i think even deeper there's some things about kind of self-esteem issues i think family of origin stuff we've heard a lot of that stuff coming up i think as people start to reevaluate their priorities and maybe their lives some of this stuff comes to the surface and i think we've had more time to think about them too Right. When you say family of origin, what do you mean by that? I mean, you're the, the home you grew up in. You're, you're, sometimes it's, you know, a mom and a dad, siblings. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, two families if your parents were divorced. But whatever your family of origin is, it, it profoundly shapes who we are and how we do relationship. And I think sometimes we're unaware of that until we're under pressure. And then those patterns kind of start to bubble up. Yeah. Or maybe they're patterns or expectations that, based on they're like, oh, that's how marriage looks. And so uh, the one side just begins to act out how they saw their parents married and the other side's acting out how they saw their parents married or not married. And those two things come into conflict. Is that right? Totally, exactly right. I think, you know, when you become parents yourself, some of the issues with your own parents kind of come to the surface. And I just think the pandemic seems to have just escalated those kinds of processes that are that are human and natural but i think everything's been amped up and we've had no place or very few places for us to kind of explore those those things so that's that's one of the cracks i should tell you that anecdotally i i 100 agree with you 
couples have really struggled and some of them more than cracks have shown they some of them have had earthquakes I think about one couple that called us and said they were faithfully listening to our weekly webinar but a week before the pan the lockdown hit he disclosed that he was having an affair and a week later they go into lockdown so this poor couple the world has oh gone upside down their world has gone upside down and they're trying to navigate this and i mean to their credit they dug in they they've worked on it they've done really really well but i mean some people weren't just dealing with cracks they were dealing with you know like i said earthquakes but um i would say that empirically though uh there have been a couple of studies recently that have mm -hmm. shown that more marriages actually did better than did worse during the pandemic and um that's great to hear <laughs> yes i know I'm that's, kind of that's really good to hear and yeah. I, I don't want to diminish the pain for those couples who've really had a hard time i don't want to diminish that but i think um it's not all doom and gloom like the one u.s study i read said that 70 percent of the people said that their marriages either stayed the same or improved only 30 percent said that it had gotten worse and the and a uk study indicated that twice as many couples had improved their marriage as had felt like it had worsened over so i mean there's some really good things about the pandemic as well yeah no kidding and i've even just from listening to like uh, just secular media and sports podcasts that I tune into. It's interesting to hear these uh, families who are, you know, at home with kids and they're like, they've actually taken the pandemic to really spend, like prioritize spending time with family and them talking about, you know, hey, it's time to dig in to actually really take an interest in my kid's life to build a firmer foundation. And that has actually been very refreshing to hear from a, a secular perspective rather than people just saying, oh, this is hard. I'm going to hit the eject button and get out of here, um, which, you know, I, I want to just briefly talk about because um, w when we approach the topic of divorce, separation, remarriage, I mean, that's a huge topic. But I think a lot of Christians, we often don't really have a good place where to begin thinking or landing on that. Do you have any insight into that topic? I mean, I, I, we don't need to hear a ton of that's I mean, this. This subject would take a lot of time. We could do a whole episode on that. But, you know, you work with marriage and a lot of, you know, when you're counseling couples, you're trying to counsel them towards actually staying married, right? So um, can you explain just a little bit of insights into there briefly? Yeah, I mean, it's taken people who are smarter theologically than me, you know, they'll, they'll talk about this for months. <laughs> yeah. But where I've landed is this. I believe the Bible is true, and I believe the Bible when it said God hates divorce. And I used to think that God hated divorce because in some way it sort of offended that offended him that we weren't living into the the picture of marriage that he designed and that that he but I and, and that may still be true, but I think where I've landed now is that no, God hates divorce because divorce breaks people's heart. Mm -hmm. And I I mean my in my own extended family, but just the couples that we, we talk to, the wreckage and the pain and the hurt. So God hates divorce. I hate divorce. People who've been divorced probably hate divorce more than all of us. And, and I think that God hates, and God, by the way, God doesn't just hate divorce. God hates other things clearly in mm -hmm. the Bible. He hates lying. He hates haughtiness. He hates when we sow discord. He hates when we speak ill of other people. He hates when we deliberately do wrong things, when we harm the innocent. Like, God hates a lot of things, but all of these things he hates are because they, they harm us. And so when God 
hates divorce. He hates it because he hates what it does to people he loves. And so I know there's more theological answers to that, but that's where I've landed, which is where why everything we do in family life is trying to help couples where they're at, whatever condition they're in. And by the way, we hang out a lot with couples who have great marriages. It's not just yeah. who's in trouble. But um, everything we do is designed to help couples live into what marriage can be. You know, I, I know there are times when couples have to separate for physical safety reasons, emotional safety reasons. I, mm. I get that. We're human. We're flawed human beings. And I think we've... we've um, abused the sanctity of marriage sometimes and we've let people get away with stuff under that banner that's sinful and i think we've been wrong to do that i love what gary thomas says he said um he might have been quoting somebody else but i just love gary so he said every divorce is the result of sin but not every divorce is sinful you know let's be honest when when we get when there's divorce it's because we we've not been able to be good to each other and and so there is sin there and so i i guess my view of divorce and remarriage is that it's it's a sin like other sins that we can confess and be forgiven for and then um and then we can move into a new relationship where um we honor god's covenant so i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty practical about it pretty pragmatic um quite frankly the people we coach and help are married and so or they consider themselves married some of them are in common law marriages but um, so I don't really care if it's their first marriage or the fifth marriage. I'm still going to help. I'm still going to help you live into what I think and believe God designed marriage to be. Absolutely. So let's let's talk about young couples, right? Explain what has been some of the, the highlights of working with young couples and, and what are some of the things that you are uh, encouraged by, some of the things that you've been noticing? Oh, my. It's, it's fun to watch young couples. And I, I would just caution for couples who've had a really good time in the pandemic i've heard couples say oh you know we've survived this we can face anything and i would suggest humbly that that may not be the case because Mm -hmm. this we've been really living in a bit of a bubble and i think it's sort of like you know summer camp romances like we've in a sense we've been living a summer camp romance some of us for a year just totally focused on that relationship totally invested in Mm-hmm. and no other distractions and so i think I, I i would say to those of you that are just thinking you're, you're cruising from here on out um don't be surprised if you you have some more challenges but for those couples who've really struggled i think i think what there's a lot of things at play first of all i think if you're unaware of some of your differences whenever new couples hit their hit their differences there's going to be some friction but when you hit your differences in a pandemic when there are so many other layers of stress and anxiety and You've got kids at home, and sometimes if you're if you have kids, you're trying to figure out how to manage that and work from home. And I think the dynamics for couples have been so complicated. Mm. Um, I think the way you handle stress has really shown up. The different way people handle stress. We've known couples who the way one of them handles stress is to kind of take control. So they try to control what they can, right? So they clean the house and and purge the closets and regrout the bathtub and, you know, organize all their photos and like, because they can't control what's going on in the world. So they're darn well going to control what's in their house. Other partners sort of like, uh, you know, doom scrolling or kind of at a philosophical level, kind of processing all like, like what's going on in the world. And 
And so they respond to stress in really different ways. And I think it's led to a lot of misunderstanding with couples. I think mm. some people are more fearful and uh, that's created stress in relationships. Like what, you know, how much, when we had an option, how much masking, do our kids go to school? Do our kids play with, you know, do we see other people? Do we see your parents? Do we see my parents? Like it's created all sorts of layers for these young couples who I, I think have been forced to navigate things that might not have shown up so quickly in their relationship. Mm -hmm. And and that has to do a lot with, I think, proximity too, was like, in some ways it is unusual for couples to spend every moment together because you like, what, if you divide up your day, eight hours, your 24 hours is sleeping, right? And so, yeah, obviously you're, you're, you're with each other, but you're, you know, asleep. Then eight hours of your day is at work. And so for the average couple, there might be eight hours together. But if you factor in commutes, maybe there's like six hours together. So how is proximity played into all of this? Oh, huge. I think little things become big. What, what, what are some examples? Um, well, he doesn't load the dishwasher the correct way, which is a tiny little thing. But when, when your whole world is shrunken down to your house and your kitchen, it feels like a bigger thing. So, uh, you know, stupid little things, I think, can, can get blown out of proportion, which is mm -hmm. and never before in marriage ministry have we ever counseled couples as much as we have in the last year to spend less time together. I think this is the only time we've ever done that. And we keep telling couples, you need a little bit of air in your relationship, you know, like fires need oxygen, need negative space in order to burn. And I think relationships need a little bit of oxygen, a little bit of negative space in order to be at their best too. And I think we've neglect, we've not been, it's been hard to get time alone in space. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the couples who, who've tried to create a little bit of, develop a little bit of separation from each other have done better. That's interesting because it, it, it feels antithetical, right? It feels opposite to what you should be doing in a marriage. But I, I think your illustration about the fire is right. Yeah, you need some oxygen. What are some ways practically that you could suggest to some of our, our listeners uh, in, in ways to create some of that space? Oh, I think, you know, I mean, our options are limited, but go for walks. What Neil and I did one day is like it was rainy and I said, you know what? I just need some space. So we actually said you know one floor is your, we have a two-story house your one floor is yours one floor is mine and let's meet at dinner time and just spend the whole day kind of separated by a floor so um mm -hmm. i you kind of develop false ways of, of creating space but i think there's there's something at play here i mean our marriages are supposed to be interdependent but we're not supposed to be codependent and i think it's pretty easy mm -hmm. in a pandemic to become codependent we don't have the the perspective that our network can bring sometimes. So our problems can look bigger than they are um, when we've gotten the perspective. I think an interesting thing that younger couples have bumped into is things in and around their sexual life. I think the expectation was with all this time together, there'd be way more sex. And the stats don't bear that out. Matter of fact, any, a couple surveys have indicated we've been having less sex as married couples during the pandemic. And so I think there's a dynamic there too. Like it's hard to have sort of chemistry and attraction when you, when there's no space. And um, so I think that's a factor. I think it depends on your personality too. I'm an introvert. So I didn't even notice the pandemic for like three months. <laughs> I was fine. My husband's yeah. a raging extrovert. He noticed it in three hours, you know, 
Yeah. Where are all the people? Um, so I think I think the differences in personalities dictate a little bit. I need more space. I need more solitude as a person. But I just think mm -hmm. generally relationships are healthier when they have a little bit of independence as well. Yeah. And I think that's a really unique point because I traditionally would associate, you know, a little bit of separation means, uh oh, you need the two people need to cool down a bit, right? Uh oh, there's things, there's some tension, go let that diffuse a bit. But it's, it's interesting that like that can be done in a really healthy way, which, uh, I'm sure might be a, a healthy thing for a lot of couples to actually begin to explore. And that again, doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It just means that, uh, you know, you, you might have different interests that you also want to explore, right? Maybe there's certain movies Neil really likes to, to watch and you, you like space movies or something. He wants to watch Star Wars and you're like, no, thank you. You know, like that would actually drain me, but it'd be an opportunity for you to go watch, you know, a rom-com or something. And like, right. There's, there's different things that, uh, you know, different interests that you can both enjoy. And I guess there's some, um, push and pull in, in that ways, uh, in that way. So Cheryl, as we kind of just come in for a landing here, I, I really appreciate your time. What is one thing that you would leave our listeners, um, you know, young couples, young married couples with, um, going into 2021? What's one word of advice? I would say be very thoughtful about this COVID experience. I heard early on in the COVID, I heard God say to me, don't miss this. Cheryl, don't miss it. And I took that to mean, don't miss what I have for you in this season. And so I think I would, that's what I would pass on to couples is don't miss what we've experienced and, and be really intentional about articulating. What have you learned about yourself and about your marriage? Uh, where have those, have the crap shown up? And I would say, be very intentional about how you want to live your lives going forward. I think a lot of families, a lot of couples have realized we don't have to ride the same train that we were riding. We get more say about how we live our lives than we might have expected. And I think we've learned that. So I would tell couples to be very intentional about what you've learned and how you want to be going forward. And then actually set a date, June 1st or June 30th or whatever, before you're vaccinated, when you actually articulate those things to each other so that this experience isn't wasted, that we've learned from right. it, grown from it. And I would say a lot of couples have hit reset. And I'm worried that once the world gets back to quote, quote, normal, we'll revert to old patterns that may not have been really healthy. And so I would say be really intentional about what you want to take into the next season of your life and learn from this experience. Amazing. Cheryl, thank you for your time. And this has been a pleasure. And I look forward to being able to, uh, you know, be able to have you back on the program. And we, maybe we can follow up and talk about things, you know, six months from now and, and hear how other couples are experiencing life, you know, post-pandemic. So again, thank you for your time and I look forward to speaking again. Thanks, Daniel. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hey, this is Isaac, one of the hosts of In Doubt, a ministry of Good News Global Media. Is it possible that being a Christian young person could be any more complicated than it is today? 
How do we make right choices and decisions when so many opinions around us seem contrary to what it means to live for Christ? At Indoubt, we hope to help make sense, biblical sense, of those difficult choices and decisions and also what biblical faith looks like in life and culture in 2021. So join us every week for another challenging conversation and our response is God's people. For everything in doubt, visit indoubt.ca. And if you'd like to help us continue to offer this program, you can make a gift of any amount at indoubt.ca or by calling 1-800-663-2425.